That's a desire burning in our hearts, Lord. Truly, as we wander through dry places, it seemed like days unnumbered. We just long to be in that land filled with milk and honey. We thank you, Lord, that you have instructed a prophet, Lord, to stir up, store up food, spiritual food in due season. And Lord, we can just get in that granary, Lord. And not be like a little mouse worried about running out below we can just eat and enjoy and know that there's an everlasting inexhaustible supply so lord we pray again this morning you just come feed our hearts lord we look to you jesus you're the author and the finisher the perfecter of our faith lord and father we just ask lord that you would come make yourself more real to us Thank you for the songs. Thank you, Lord, for that little special, Lord, Brother Bob singing. Oh, Father, how we love you, Lord. We need you more today than we did yesterday. We need you this coming week, Lord. And, Father, as long as you tarry, Lord, let us walk with you, Jesus. Don't ever leave us alone, Lord. But, Father, would you strengthen our hearts and minds this morning for the race that lays ahead. We commit all things into your hands, praying you'd bless the word that's read and bless each one that's here, each one that's under the sound of my voice. Lord, may they hear the voice behind the voice this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. 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 Sure is good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. Turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 61. Amen. Amen. Trust all is well today. I know for one couple, I know all is really well. You might think I'm talking about one that just got united, but I'm actually talking about Moses, Sister Sharifa. They've been united now 11 years today. It's their anniversary. Why don't we give them a hand and say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And I know Brother Kevin's real happy today, too. Brother Kevin Hennecke, he's sent me some pictures yesterday. and Something about a smile on his face or something, I don't know. But God bless you, Brother Kevin and Sister Elizabeth. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Psalms chapter 61 and verse 1. It says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. 
From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. Amen. May the Lord have blessing to the Lord. You may have your seats. You can just go ahead, brother, and put the, put the slideshow up there right away. Well, it's not very long, and we'll just start with that. But I want to speak this morning on the mind of an overcomer, part five, I believe it is, and take a subtitle of still in the moment, still in the moment. And let me try and find this. Is that it? Found it. All right. Amen. Still in the moment. And we have, I want to just read to you a scripture from Hebrews chapter 11, very familiar to us all. You don't have to turn to it. You could probably quote it with me even as I say it. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Not without something else or without we had to come to perfection or something. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And as the bride and as the wife of the Lord, what more do we want than to please him? But tonight, or this morning, I'm used to speaking the night, so forgive me if I say that or not, but this morning we want to start out and just take this little thought and still in the moment, and, and I want to show you some graphs that, that are something that is a matter of perspective. It's something I would call a perspective graph. It's not here to quantify your experience, but rather to allow you to see something in a certain way, because we tend to view life in the element of time. We tend to view our life, we know just now we had some birthdays today, someone's been alive for about 18 years, and finally a man I hear, and God bless you, but you know, it's, it's good, and that's a space of time. Someone else turned a little bit older, and that's a space of time, and another one was an anniversary of 11 years, and someone was apart from their spouse for so many years. Those are spaces of time, and we tend to view things in that kind of a realm, in that kind of an element where now we look at time as something that fills up our lives. But, but we tend to view it that way, and if we want to take, this is just a perspective of how we view our time with God and how real God feels to us, as maybe if I just explain it, as we start out maybe in our, in our lives and in our walk, that it just, God is just barely real to us, and he's just something that we know of, he's our savior, but as he begins to make himself real to us, he begins to be more and more real, and there's ups and downs in our lives. Are you with me? And there's down here on the bottom a progression of time as time goes on. Perhaps you have a new birth experience or something, justification, sanctification. And God feels so real in that moment. And, and, and there's such an experience with God where it feels like I'm on top of the world and God is right next to me and he's even in me to the end of the world and everything seems wonderful. But as time goes on, that experience begins to cool down. 
And as it begins to cool down, it begins to level out to what we feel like perhaps this is the normal, this is a Christian walk, and that's just a progression of time, and often it's, it's usually linked with our emotion. And we have in there, look, I don't know, they call it a bell graph or bell chart or something, but it's just a line. But really, it's, it's an, it's a, our emotion goes with how real God feels to us. When we're on top of the world and our emotions are way up and we're happy and everything's wonderful uh, when God is making himself known. But as time goes on and we come down off of the mountain... Then finally our emotions will even go down lower than that where it feels like we're constantly looking back to what was. Because we're stuck in an element of time or space-time. Then we get so stuck in that. And I want to just view a couple more quickly just to, to show a couple of experiences where now we have the weeks surrounding our special meetings. Somebody has special meetings and leading up to them, you feel like God's so real. He's like a four or five to me. Just a perspective graph. I'm not trying to quantify. But then as we go the weekend of, God's a 10. I'm on top of the world, right? We're in the middle of special meetings. It's wonderful. Then as it comes down in the two weeks later, it's like, oh, hell, uh, the, 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 the normal preaching is just not the same. <laughs> And it finally comes down to a month later, and why can't we go back to that? We want to go back to the special services. And then as the month goes on, we read God's less and more, and up and down and up and down because of our emotion. And we can quantify it in a different way. Sorry, I shouldn't use that word. But rather, we can look at it as different ups and downs where your life before the new birth is just a series of ups and downs and highs and extreme lows. And when you get the new birth, it's just a solid atop the world and it comes back down. And the special meanings are up and down. And the months following you're up and down. Those are just things. But, but God doesn't view it that way. God is a God of eternity. And eternity, Brother Branham says, is like a panoramic. It never ends. It's a circle that continues forever and forever. It's an endless wheel that never stops, never has an end. But Satan put a break in there and come down here and would have spoiled the whole thing. That was Satan's design, but God is the God of eternity, and he doesn't dwell in a realm of time. He dwells in eternity. We're the ones that are stuck, and it's just our perspective. That we look at things in time, even though we are not actually creatures of time if you're born again. So now God takes it and God sees eternity as a circle. It's never ending. You have this why we wear a wedding ring. Because it's a circle. It shows that till death do us part. And even then, if you're truly a soulmate, you're eternally, eternally bound together. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. But that's eternity. But now we know Satan's design was to put a little break in that and to pull out this little break of time. And we dwell in that so often where this is usually our perspective. We fail to see that. We fail to take a step back and see that God is in eternity. We fail to go back even further and see that God really, there is no break. With God, there is no break. With God, he's a God of eternity. He's never ending. He's in perfect control. But it was Satan's design that he put that in there. 
that he put that and he put our perspective to where now we're so dwelling in this little thing called space-time. And we're dwelling in this, and I know Brother Tom Ray was speaking on it, and I, I don't want to go down that road this morning, but rather take it in a different way. Because this is nothing more than a perspective. The way we look at things and the way we look back and see, God, I had an experience back there and I want to go back to that. And we love the fire of someone who just got born again, who just had an experience with God. And there's such a fire and there's such a burning. And, and, and as time goes on, those things seem to, to, to seem to die down a little bit. And you look, you say, I want to go back to that. But really, God is still in the moment. We're the ones that have moved on because of our perspective of time. And Brother Branham would say in the, in, in the message testimony, because we, we look at this, at this thing and this is Satan's design of time and we want to, to, to get our minds and step up a little higher. Where, where we read in the book of Psalms where it says in verse, uh, verse 2 where it says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Because we love to look at things in a vertical, graphical way. Because as time progresses, we see the ups and the downs and we like our certain organization. But God doesn't look at things in a vertical graph. Let me say it this way. He looks at it in a linear graph. Then because he's eternal, there is no ending. It's not an up and a down. He's God and he's all we will be God. But now Brother Branham says, he said, there's only, there is no way. The only thing you say, say, well, God tells me in my heart that Jesus Christ healed me. Say, amen. He tells you that in your heart. This is my uh, possession. I take it. I go on. It's mine. But well, you just go on. He says the Holy Spirit just keeps leading you no matter how you're feeling. See, God doesn't dwell in that vertical graph. No matter how your emotions are up and down, up and down, God, the Holy Spirit isn't leading you based on your emotion. If he said he's leading you, he's leading you. And the reason why I want to take it in a, in a realm this morning of perspective, because if we can look at it in the right perspective, then we can have a positive confession. And we can begin to speak what God sees of us rather than speaking what we see of ourselves. Because that will be a negative confession because we live in a world of negativity. We live in such a world where there's so much uh, negative news and you can look on your, your, your media, you can look on your social media, and there's a lot of negativity. We're things that are happening in such a fast pace because sin is rampant in the world, but rather God is indwelling in that, that space of time. He dwells in eternity where he says, come on up a little higher. And then listen, he says, if, if you go on your feeling, then you're certain that if, if, you, if you go by your feeling, you're certain that if you go back to that every time that you have a negative testimony, every time that you look at your symptoms, then you've fallen right then. Catch this. Every time you go back to that little thing, you can confess it for years and say, God, heal me, God, heal me, God, heal me. But as soon as you turn your, your, your view around and say, well, it's been so long. 
Abraham didn't look around and say, well, it's been so long. It was Sarah that looked at the space of time and said, take Hagar, my wife, because surely this is, take Hagar, my handmaid, to wife, because surely this is the way that God will bring it about. But God was not interested in the space of time. And Abraham wasn't looking at the space of time. He was looking at the eternal God and realizing if he made a promise, he will bring it to pass regardless of how long it takes. He says, there's not a Christian in here. No matter how solid you are in faith, if right now that something were to happen to get a hold of you and tell you you're not a Christian and you start out testifying, well, I'm not a Christian no more, he said, you dropped right then. Then you're no more a Christian anymore. As soon as you testify that you're not a Christian, then you've dropped from grace right then. See how important it is that we look at things in the right way, that regardless of how bad I'm feeling and how much I've made a mistake and a mess out of today and out of my life and out of this week, it doesn't matter because I believe that he saved me and he redeemed me and he called me and he chose me before the foundation of the world and nothing can change that. So let's keep that as our confession. He said, you've fallen. Your own speech tells you what you are. But he says, you got it. So faith will act every time. If you've got real, genuine, substance faith, it will stop that mouth from confessing the negative confession. It will shut it down every time. But we give too much place to the devil playing on our emotion, which is rooted in space-time, which is rooted in this little tiny perspective up here of this little chink of time that we look at and see it's so big, I just can't get over it. It's such a small area when you consider eternity. That if you give too much thought to that, you begin to get dry. And old and burnt over. Because our emotions, because of our emotions until you begin to doubt that God actually did what he did. So how can these things be? Because this little thing called time. Space time. That as time goes on, Satan says, see, it's been a week. I spoke to you last week, but he hasn't this week. It's been a month. You haven't had an experience in a month. It's been a year. It's been years. You think you're a Christian? God hasn't made himself so real to you in years, but God is a God of eternity. He's not dwelling in that space of time. He spoke to Abraham and said, I'm going to give you a son. I will give you a son. Don't, don't, don't dwell in that time space, but rather step up a little higher. Say, hide me over in the rock of ages. Brother Branham says, if we ever get anxious, remember, he dwells in eternity. Time means nothing to him. It's the motive and objective in our heart. Let's remember him. He's actually speaking there of a decision. He says, don't make a decision too hasty. Because we get so caught up in that. Salesmen love it, don't they? This is a time deal. For come Friday, this deal's not on anymore. You only got five days. They're calling you on Tuesday. Oh, we upped it to Thursday. You only got two days. 
Why? Because they're dwelling in time when they're trying to play on your emotions, which are so closely linked to time. Hey, but as it gets closer and closer, you get more and more anxious. I got to make the deal now because if I don't, it's all going to happen. But Brother Branham is talking about, he says, don't make a decision like that. God doesn't dwell in time. He dwells in eternity. He knows when you need what you need, so he's able to take care of it. And he doesn't dwell on the realm of what a salesman says. He dwells in a realm of where he is God in a realm of perfect faith. He's the God of eternity. He's God of heaven and earth. He will never put nothing in his architect plan here that will, that, that, but what will stand the time test for eternity? There you go, Brother Marion. You were talking about that in the song service the other day. What a time it will be in eternity where there'll be no time. And here Brother Branham says it, and he says, that, but what will stand the test of time for eternity? How will that be? He's saying that God's not worried about time and trying to, 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 to fit it in there to say it's got to stand this long. It will stand forever. God's word will never fail. There isn't a time, there isn't an expiration date that says by 2022 such and such hasn't happened. No, there is no expiration on the word of God. It will never fail. It will stand the test time for eternity. He says, now, time is this little loop. It loops down. Jesus was from eternity to eternity. I love the way he explains it. Because you got this loop, but there's this little chink that drops down. Every time Brother Brown talks about that little chink of time, he said it drops down. He never says it raises up. It drops down. And there's a reason for that because God doesn't dwell on a vertical graph. He dwells in a linear way where he says step up a little higher. In order to dwell in a realm of time, you've got to step down. But God, Jesus, dwells from eternity to eternity, but he stepped into time space and was made flesh and came through here in order to sanctify it or put a streak of blood across this place to redeem it and connect it back to God again for all eternity. Hallelujah. And when was the lamb slain? That's exactly right. But the Bible says before the foundation of the world. That's what it was saying. That's why he says, I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I'm from eternity to eternity. When time started and when time ends, I am here and I am there. I have started the blood streak right here when Satan dropped that his plans in there. And I started it out right there with Adam and Eve when I slayed that lamb. And I'm right back down again and I've connected it at the end. And we know as Brother Tom was speaking that this, that rope, that blood rope, and I've got the quotes here if you want, but rather when he pulls that blood, everyone that's connected to it that lived down through time goes right back into eternity with him. Because he's God and he connects that, that chink back together again. So here we have the break of time. But he bridges it over with the blood. It's no longer there. It recompletes. Till finally, that's all that's left. It's just eternity. That's the right perspective. Where's that time space now? Oh, when we get to the other side, I was talking with Brother Ethan with it the other day. How much it would be. You can go ahead and turn the lights back on for a bit. If you just... In so much as you've done to the least of these, my little ones. You just said, Brother Ethan, 
You look thirsty, buddy. Have a drink. That's good, isn't it? Hey, want some more? Yeah. Take that, COVID. And so much have you done. And you say, well, what about those ones, Brother Andrew? They've done so much for me. But they just won't see the light. Yeah, they'll have to go through three and a half years of tribulation. Maybe they're not even foolish virgin. Maybe they're not even virgin. And they have to die and go by the way of the grave, and they don't live for a thousand years. You say, three and a half years of tribulation, that would be terrible. Yeah, but that's nothing. When you compare it to a thousand years of hell, which Brother Branham says it's like a nightmare you just can't wake up from. Your worst fear, your worst nightmare is just sitting there and you can't wake up and you try and you can't. It's just, it's not in the flesh, okay? Someone say, I, I went to hell and there was maggots and this and that and it tormented my flesh. Listen, it's in the spirit. It's something that will torment you beyond what someone can do to your flesh. Because your flesh has gone by the way of the grave and it's deteriorated and it's gone no more. You don't walk into hell with this body. It's your spirit that goes down into hell and your soul that's down there. And it begins to be tormented by an absence of God. A thousand years. You look at that and you say, how could someone... How could they be faithful to God in eternity when they won't be faithful to him here? Well, you suffer for a thousand three and a half years. You tell me how thankful you are when you get to the white throne judgment and your life is played before you. All the things that you've done and how terrible it was and that was just that little time space. All that was in there, and you look at not that that moment you feel like, like like Daniel felt. I can't remember the last name of the man, but when he had that dream of going before the white throne, and he said, "Hey, I realized I was guilty. I realized there was nothing I could do." I realized I was lost. I realized there was no hope, but there was somebody. Because know you not that the saints shall judge the earth. That even at that time, because now he's son of David sitting on his throne ruling with a rod of iron and there is no more blood on the mercy seat. So he'd have to stand there and say, you're guilty. But there'd be someone stand up, a little brother Ethan stand up and say, but Lord, remember that day when I was thirsty. How thankful I would be that there was a body, there was a little bride. That he could turn and his son of David, king of kings, lord of lords, and say, my bride. Because you've done this to the least of my little ones, it's like you've done it to me. What a God. She swallows that back up into eternity. The Ron says, now I want you to notice. You can follow along here. This might take just a short time. It's I got my watch before me, so I won't take too long. Amen. God, the infinite, eternal, immortal God, 
knowed everything from the beginning and knowed the end. There was a cycle like a panoramic going around, and it's a perfect circle. That's eternity. There's no end to a perfect circle. If you just start on the top of the platform tonight, you just bore right through the ground, go all the way around, right around the earth, through the earth, into space, and right around, you still have a perfect circle. It doesn't matter what's in the way of it. It's still eternity. He says, that's the way eternity is. It's just endless. And then when Satan upset this program, he just put that little block starting out there. It dropped down, and they're come for along for a certain space, and it's called time. And when it goes back again, it doesn't cease to be eternity. Catch this. Even though there's that little space of time, it doesn't cease eternity. God doesn't stop because of time. He only, he was slain before the foundation of the world. And years, thousands of years later, he finally came down and actually did it, the act in this dimension. But then stepped back into eternity. So eternity doesn't have a time space where we look at it and say, well, the lamb was slain in A.D. 33, and that was when this all happened, and then this church age took place at this, and this church age takes place at this. That's a perspective. But to God, it goes beyond that where he's dwelling in eternity, and he said, it was already in my mind before the foundation of the earth. I knew everything that would happen, and I've made sure it's worked out exactly according to that, because even though there's a little thing that's popped out, I've bridged it over with the blood, and eternity is still moving on. It goes right back again. Now it doesn't cease to be eternity. Some people say, well, when, when we'll, we'll be in eternity. We are now in eternity. Eternity just dropped into a time limit, but it moves on. Christ standing back at the beginning and at the end when it started and foresaw everything that would be, he just come down to redeem the sinner and to bless you and went up and standing on the other end of the road making a blessed old highway across the way, the scarlet streak of blood and some glorious day will take a hold where she's tied to eternity or time to time and give it a pull and the church will be lifted out and eternity will roll on just the same. He knowed all things. He had to be infinite. And he had to be to be infinite and immortal. Amen. But we find that that's, that's God, that he spans all of that. And no wonder the scriptures say that the old things will not even enter into our mind. Those old the things that we're going through in this time space, it won't even enter into our mind. It won't even come to our remembrance because we'll have stepped into eternity where those things cease to exist. And it will be as though it never happened. But one thing did that there was blood. One thing we'll never forget because we'll be looking through the perspective of God. Catch this. Because God looks red through red is what? White. So we find that when God's looking through that and when you look through the eyes of God, you can no longer see the devil's plan. Because you're looking through his eyes, which is through the blood of Jesus, where it is no longer there. That's why God isn't acknowledging Satan to say, I'm worried about this or worried about it. He doesn't even see it. He sees a people that are covered by the blood. And when the last one comes in, that's why Brother Ben would say that. The last one, when he comes in, then the bride will be taken. When the last one comes, when the bride recognizes who she is, then it will be over. Why? Because God's not looking at what's going on around. He's looking and he's waiting. 
for the right time. And as soon as the last one's in, pulled right back into eternity. Luke chapter 14. Let's change our perspective now. Luke chapter 14 and verse 8. It says, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come, and say to thee, give this man place, then thou begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh may say unto thee, friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee, for whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Amen. Amen. So now we're looking here. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of God. So we're looking into the mind of God as we begin to see the way that he sees things. And he begins to talk about a wedding and say, when you're bidden to a wedding, what were you called to? You were called to be the bride of Jesus Christ. You were called to a wedding, and you're going to a marriage supper, and there's going to be a honeymoon, and there's going to be an eternity spent together. See, so he says, when you're called to this wedding, not when you're called up to the marriage supper, when you're called to the wedding. Don't take the highest place. Don't come in the first time you're called and feel like, well, I've got something to offer. I'm somebody. Let me tell you something. I've been someone in this church and I've been someone in that church. I'm going to preach and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. Take the lowest place. Just take the lowest place. So that way when the one that bids you come, when he sees fit, He'll come to you and he'll say, come up a little higher. See, Jesus isn't looking at things and saying, we'll have a more emotional graph of how everything goes. No, he's saying, take the law and I'll raise you up higher. And when the time is right, I'll raise you up a little higher. And when the time is right, I'll raise you up a little higher. See, when we feel like we left the moment, when we feel like time has gone on and the moment is past, God is no Lord. God is not moved on with time. He's still dwelling in that moment. He's still dwelling in the last experience that you had with him. He hasn't moved on and said, okay, listen, time has gone too far. You're gone now. God's not dwelling in that realm. God's dwelling in a realm of eternity where he says, as long as I have fellowship with you on this level, I'm on this level. And when I want fellowship on a higher level, I will put you in a higher level. The time in between those two levels is completely irrelevant to God. He says, your love, Brother Brennan says in the law having a shadow, he says, your love ought to be to Christ undefiled. But Satan perverts that love. 
to something of the world. He perverts it. See, this, this is something, I believe this is a pertinent message because we live in an age where time has become everything. If our computer takes longer than two seconds to upload, it's an inconvenience. Some of us have overcome that. Like Brother Jake, who still has a, a, a computer who takes minutes to boot up, and he enjoys a coffee with it. I say, God bless you, Brother Jake. Others of us went and bought a new computer because the old one was just taking too long. And we got certain uploads. We, we, we want to load up a screen. I was walking through the store the other day and looking at barbecues. And, of course, I'm on my phone trying to upload other pages to see who's got a better deal and who's got this going on, who's got that going on. And as you're walking through the store, the reception's not that great. So I'm the lunatic walking through the store with my phone up like this. Like, come on. What's taking you so long? What's going on? I can look at this one right here and see it's for so much. And here on this, it's just a white page. I thought technology was better than that. But time has become that way. Where we feel like it's because time is speeding up because time has become so short that Satan's trying to condense it down so quick till everyone's become a bunch of neurotics where you just can't. You text somebody and if they haven't responded to you within five minutes, it's done past. I forgot what I was going to say anyways. Five minutes went by. If we moved on, whereas before you wrote out a letter... You went down to the guy at the post office, you put in the post office, this was way before my days. And you put it in the post office and it got mailed off and you waited weeks for a response. And God forbid that mail ever got lost in the mail and you never got a response. But then they finally went on to telegrams where you went to the guy at the post office, he sent something off via wire and then they finally upgraded to telephones. And then now you got a smartphone, but first they had a flip phone where you had to sit there and push the button three, four times to get the right letter. I got real good at that because that was in the days when I was courting Sister Melissa, so I was really good at hitting the button just right. But now we got up to smartphones where now, I mean, you could just swipe on the screen and it makes the word for you because it knows what you're looking for because it's got smarter than us. Ouch. Let's bring you all back in here. That's the way it's become. Because it's always got to come to a faster method of communication. And yet there still isn't a faster way than for me to sit down in the vehicle with Brother Ethan when we're at work and just have a conversation. Because that's the way it was intended. Just sit and talk to somebody. Anyways, that was a tangent I didn't mean to go down. But Satan's perverted it into something of the world to the way we love something else other than God because quite often we look at it and say, well, God's taken too long. He's taken so long. I asked for this and it's been months, it's been years. Still it hasn't happened. Why isn't it happening? Listen, if I order something on Amazon, it's here in two days. If I order something on the heavenlies, it takes forever. But we get that way. We're like, how come? God, I asked you, said to ask, and you would receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And I did all these things, and it's just not happening. God doesn't dwell in our realm of time. He dwells in eternity. 
And as Brother Red was preaching the other day, the cog of God's timepiece moves very slowly. But he knows when you need it and what you have need of. And he even said his timepiece is actually so fast that he said in Matthew, before you even pray. Because he's both the beginning and the ending. He's infinite and he's immortal. So before you even get on your knees to ask, Satan's been trying to mimic that forever. You ever type in Google? How much? And it's got all these. I want to finish your thought for you. But it's a guess. Because it's a perversion of what God already does where he says, before you even ask it, I already know exactly to the word, the punctuation, the jot, the line, the tittle, every little part of it, what you have need of, what you're going to ask. And I know whether you're asking amiss or whether you're asking the right thing because I know what you need. And I dwell in eternity so I know exactly the moment that you will need it. Oh, my. He says, listen, when he perverted good to wrong and taken the angels with him and that little block fell out of the perfect circle of eternity and dropped down to a place called time, it come right there, goes around and goes right over there. Eternity exists right on down through time. Oh, my. It says in Revelation chapter 4, why don't you turn with it to me? Turn to it with me. All right. I'm so happy it's not the eloquence of preaching that saves souls. Because I would be useless. It's the foolishness of preaching. Amen. I can't get my hits, hates. And every time Brother Branham says that, you know, I get my hits, hates, and totes. And I'm one of the loudest amenners to that because that's how I learned English was through the message. I got my diploma, but, you know, I was never very good at school. But... I was good at reading the message, so I talk that way sometimes, and I read that way, and I write that way, and every time I write up a document, I give it to my wife to edit, and she goes, where did you write this? There's commas where there's not supposed to be commas. There's periods where there ain't supposed to be periods. There's no periods where there's supposed to be periods. You get the pronoun before the noun, the noun, and after that. Oh, my goodness, and I, I'm sorry. I can't do that. Hey, Amen. All right, we're all there now. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, which was the Lord, as it were a trumpet, of a trumpet talking with me said, Come further progressed in time. No, he says, Come up hither. In other words, come up higher, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne that was in, set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So now he's saying, listen, what's going on? There's a voice, the voice, verse, voice that I heard said, come up higher. I'll show you things beyond what you will see in the realm of time. Because we could look and you could pull up Luke chapter 9 and verse 29 where Jesus says, but I tell you a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. 
You could take in John chapter 21, 21 to 23, says, Peter, seeing, saith unto the Lord, Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus said unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. So Jesus is saying there's a higher level that goes beyond time where you can come up to where I'm dwelling, where you, you would look at it and Jesus would begin to prophesy and say, Father, glorify thy name. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And he begins to talk about if I be lifted up, I will draw a man unto me and there'll be also a second glorification. And he's not even dwelling in the realm of time. Because he stepped into eternity and he's seeing things as they are in eternity where the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Now, so here, 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 here G, or John begins to talk and say, I came up hither and what happened? I was in the spirit. When you begin to step into the anointing, you begin to step into something that's higher than the realm your body is currently dwelling in. In perfection, Brother Brown says, Tom, Sorry, I'm going to slip, skip over that. That day on Calvary. Says, Lord, we know that thou art God. He's praying here and he says, after reading this sacred and holy word, we can still see that your nature has not changed. You are always God and it seems like that Jesus was not going to have any help when, he, when he, he was taken by wicked hands and he was hacked to pieces and spit upon and mocked and hanging on the cross, bleeding, dying, and seemed like there was no help nowhere. Till he even cried himself, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But you act in the moment when nothing else can act. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because of time. There are certain places we can't be. I can't be in India right now and here at the same time. I can't be in Guatemala and here at the same time in my physical body because it takes time for me to travel from one place to another. But God can be in those both places because he's, he's an omnipresent God because he knows all things. Amen. Amen. He's infinite and we know that he can do this because he doesn't exist in time. But he says you act in the moment when nothing else can act. We, we, we are given to know, Lord, that if we have any rivers we can't cross, if we have any mountains we can't go through, God specializes in doing things that others just can't do. He's a specialist on the job, and you know the reason of the day on Calvary, you being God, the infinite one, knew this hour must come, and when it was fulfilled, then you showed that you were God, you showed who was the boss, you shook the earth and the saints and slept in the ground, come out and blacken the sun in the night, the sun in the night and the darkness of the night rather showing that you were God. But you seem to be silent so long. Oh my. There's the humanity. Well it seems like God was silent for so many years but he says let us draw this conclusion that as long as we are walking in the spirit led by the hand of God no matter what seems to be wrong yet we are facing Calvary God will speak in the right hour at the right time. Yes. Hallelujah. 
Because God doesn't dwell in our realm of time. So the more we get bound up with that, God, it's been so long. You've been silent all these years and down through the eons of time. But God wasn't silent. He was dwelling in eternity. And he, every time he was needed, he stepped out. Every time someone called on him, he stepped out. Because he's faithful. He says, absolutely. In questions and answers on Hebrews in 1957, he says, absolutely. Those governments will pass. Every nation will pass. And I've stood where Pharaoh stood, and you have to dig 20 feet under the ground to even find the thrones where they set all the pharaohs and the kings of the earth, and all this is faltry things, and will fail and go away, but Jehovah will reign forever. And he's the immortal God solidly on the rock, Jesus Christ Jesus, we stand, and all other grounds is sinking sand. Kingdoms will rise and fall and fail, but I don't care. I don't care. There's nothing present, nothing future, nothing. Starvations or perils or anything can ever separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. It says when a man is born of the Spirit of God, he's no longer a creature of time. He's a creature of eternity. He's passed from death to life. He's passed through the time element into eternity and can never perish. And God swore that he'd raise him up again in the last days. Hallelujah. John said, well, then I was in the spirit. When I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, I begin to see things and visions and things begin to happen. What is it when you get born again and you begin to live by the spirit of God that's in you? You're no longer a creature dwelling of time of just ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs but you come onto a plane you come onto a level with God where he begins to speak with you and even if it seems that he's silent you stay on that plane hallelujah oh my let's go over to Philemon chapter 1 you can find chapter 2, let me know. Right between Titus and Hebrews. Philemon in verse 5. It says, Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Now this is a book, you just got to put your name in there. Because this is not Paul writing to a church and Paul writing to a people and coming with his apostolic authority, but rather this is a personal letter written to an individual. So you can put your name here and say, he's writing to me. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Amen. Let that be said of me. And he says that, that the communication of thy faith may be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let me reread that with just some of the definitions in there. It says that the fellowship of sharing your faith become more powerful by the recognition and the full discernment of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Let it be that you recognize what God is doing in your life and fellowship and communicate and confess those things 
Let that be your perspective, not the symptoms and the negative confession, but rather the positivity of what I know is that God saved me. What I know is that God healed me. And let that be your confession. And one place where the Bible says to confess it until you believe it yourself. It says, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Hallelujah. Sister, let that be so. That the bowels of the saints will be refreshed by your conversation. By your testimony. That you're not a drag to be around. You're not one of those individuals that someone's always got to be lifted up and helping up, but rather you be the lifter up. Yeah. The Bible says if the church could just get away from the council of churches and come back to make God's word their ultimate, make God's word their tie post, that would do it. You say, oh, Brother Andrew, we're talking about churches and the council of churches. How many times as an individual, when something's gone wrong, Make the doctor's news the ultimate. But the Bible would say the first thing a doctor tries to get you to do is try to get you to believe in the medication he's trying to give you. Nowadays, it's not even a thought. When the doctor writes you out a prescription right there and he just, it's not, well, what's this? It's, thank you, sir. What are you prescribing to me? What's going on here? What's this supposed to do to me? I got another doctor that says something else. He says, by his stripes I'm healed. He says, he takes all my sicknesses and diseases. He said to call for the elders of the church to lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's my prescription. So what are you trying to give me? We don't even question it because we just take that. And I'm not preaching against medicine. If you need medicine, you need medicine. But rather we just take it without even a single thought. It's, oh, thank you, sir. And away you go to the nearest pharmacy. How quickly can I get this filled out? Because I can't wait. Now we're bringing time back into it. And, sir, that's going to be a couple days. What? I might die. You haven't died yet. He says, we could just get back to where God's word is the ultimate. Where we stay by that, but we're so stuck in time space, we've been trying to, to tie to some man made achievement and it's bound to fail. He says, Well, the Bible said what they would do it, but, but, but there's going to be a bride that's been elected since the foundation of the world that's going to be tied to that tie post. What tie post? Not time, not time post, tie post. Not stuck in time as I'm tied here, but tied back before the foundation of the world, back before time even began, back before Satan even perverted the, 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 this, this place called time to begin with, back before that where the blood of the Lamb was first spilt in eternity. He says, oh my, I can see eternity break come down into time since Eden. And when it did, there come a line of blood all the way up into Calvary. And from Calvary tied across this line and goes up to the tie post, which is Jesus. And someday when we come, when he comes to claim his own, everyone that's tied to that ultimate will raise up into eternity. Which ultimate? Right here. Jesus. That bloodline. 
Oh my, he says, they were predestinated. They've been in eternity all the time. Hold on a second. They've been in eternity all the time. Because they weren't tied to time to begin with. God just permitted this body. God permitted this sinful nature. God permitted those things, but he knew who you really were because you were tied back by that predestinated seed gene of God back to him in the beginning. And he's just swung on down through time and connected you right back to Jesus, the first astronaut at the end. Oh my, God will raise you up. He is with us in the power of his resurrection, doing the same thing that he did when he was here on earth. I'm going to have to just take a quick step forward here. Are you still with me? All right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we'll just read it quick. It says, verse 9 says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now listen, he's speaking a lot more about the spiritual world than he is about the natural. Oh my, there's enough natural people out in the world that are still children at 20-something years old, 30-something, 40-something. But we find he's talking about the spiritual things. He says, when you're born into Christ and you're just a child, you think that way. It's just a childlike faith that you don't really know an awful lot. But when I became a man, I put away the childish things and I begin to recognize God's never failed me. He never will fail me. So why would I be concerned? What's a child do when the thunderstorm is going on? Right? They run to mom and dad. They're scared. That's okay. They're just a child. They run into daddy's bed, and I got to sleep with you. Why? There's a thunderstorm. Daddy even heard it. He's like, is there is? <laughs> That's just the way it is. That's the way a child thinks. It's going to get me. This is terrible. There's a big boom. The house shook. I saw a light in the window. <laughs> but the parents are concerned about it because they're not thinking the thoughts of the child. They know, hey, we're in a house. If it happens to strike the house, it'll go around to the ground wire and it'll just go into the ground and it'll all be fine. We won't even feel a thing. The likelihood of even a blip in the, in the power, because the power grid is so technolo- technologically advanced that we're doing pretty good. Uh, you know, it might just be a blip if the power goes out, it'll come back on. Don't worry about it. A child doesn't think that way. The light doesn't work. Something's wrong. It's just a child. But he says, when you come back, put those things away. And when you're a spiritual child, you say, God, I prayed and it didn't happen. God, why did this happen to me? I thought you spoke to me and now nothing's going on. I thought this happened, now nothing's happening. What's going on? You're just a child. Abraham wasn't a child. God spoke to him and he said, go. So he went. And you know what? God showed him a land. Wonderful. He started out a little bit like a child. Because God said, separate yourself. Go to the land which I'll show you. And he said, sure, I'll separate myself. But I'm bringing my father. And I'm bringing my nephew. And I'm bringing... Just in case. You with me? A child does that, right? We're going, to, we're going to Nana and Papa's house. Okay, but I'm bringing my blanket and I'm bringing my pillow and I'm bringing my stuffy and I'm bringing my... Just in case. But the parent knows Nana's got all that stuff at her house. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. 
Just simple this morning. But we find that's the way a child thinks. Even in the, Abraham, he's walking down there, he's got all these things. And God said, no, I told you, separate yourself. I told you I'm showing you a land, not your daddy, not your nephew. And when they finally separated himself, his father stayed there. And we finally come down. And finally he gets down to a place where he says, Lot, you go that way, I'll go this way. God's going, finally. He's showing himself. He's doing what I always told him to do. Here's some maturity in Abraham. And when finally he separated himself, then God came down and met him. So remember that child we were talking about? Now you're going to have that child according to the time of life. Because you've done exactly what I've told you to do. You put away childish things. He says, but now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then shall I know even as I also I am known. Oh my. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity or love. It's like a young couple in the infancy of their relationship. Time is of the essence. When a young courting couple starts to communicate, there isn't a lot of strength to the conversation. That's oh, quiet. That's okay. If, if one doesn't respond, if a young man checks out and says, I love you, and there's no response, and there's no response, and there's no response, he's going, maybe she doesn't love me. Maybe, maybe I said the wrong thing. And you start scrolling up your text messages. What did I say? Where did I hurt her? What's going on? Some thing. Oh, she does love me. That's the infancy of an immature relationship. But as the relationship matures and their hearts begin to beat as one, the shakiness and the shallowness of the relationship begins to fade away. And with the reliance, with it, the reliance on the element of time fades as well. As you build your trust one in another and the love abounds, time becomes irrelevant. Brother Branham says this. He says, faith believes that God will work it out. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he'll do it anyhow. It masters all circumstances. And faith and love is relation because you can't have faith unless you got love. Because your faith is in a God who is the very essence of love. Faith and love works together. Then he goes into this example, and I'll pick it up here where he says, he says, here, just like a young couple, you take a young man and a young woman when they fall in love with one another, and as they go along and begin to know each other more and more, and their hearts begin to beat as one. In other words, their relationship has come to a level of maturity. And as they come to that, he says, well, they're not husband and wife yet, but their love binds them together, and they got confidence in one another. He says, now if they really love one another, really love, and you know that girl loves you and she loves you and he loves him, and you've got confidence one in another, you've got faith in one another. He says, if you didn't, you better not marry her. But he says, notice, you've got to have faith. And you separate those two, put one in the extreme south and one in the extreme north. He says, they'll still, that love beats one for another no matter where they're at. 
They're just as true one to another as they can be because they love one another. And if you love the Lord just not trying to dodge hell, but you love the Lord, then you have faith in God. See if you love him. See, that's just the way it is. If you really love God, it could seem like he hasn't spoken to you for years. But yet you've got confidence in him because if he ever spoke to you, he never changes. Perfect faith again. He says, notice now another. Perfect faith is the master of all circumstances. Perfect faith masters all circumstances. No matter what it is, it masters it. Just watch when you believe anything, do anything, you've got faith in what you're doing, no matter what the circumstance is, don't have one thing to do with it. It masters that circumstances. If it's in a room full of sickness and the Lord's revealed that this certain thing's going to happen, you just speak it and go on. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter. He doesn't say you speak it and then wait for it to be fulfilled. Just speak it and go on. Don't worry about the time space. God is a God of eternity. He will bring it to pass. This is when we were sinners alienated without God in the world and the stuck in the mud. I talked about this morning. He said, God, come to us. God sought you. You never sought God. No man could come to me except the Father draws him first. And God came down in that muck where you were at and sought you out and brought you out. Thank the Lord. He says that ought to create a perfect love. It's so simple you walk right over the top of it. We always want to be preaching. Say, well, that brother doesn't preach very deep because he's not preaching on these quotes and those quotes and this quote and that quote. Maybe you just need a revelation of what those quotes are. It ain't about which quote you use that makes you deep. It's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know the author of the book? We find he says this. He says, that ought to create a perfect love. Just the fact. That he went down into the muck and the mire where you were at. Just where he went down to where you were unlovable, unreachable, untouchable. You say, Brother Andrew, I was born in this message. I was raised in this message. I've never been down there. But Satan fought you in your mind to where you thought nobody loved you. You thought that you were worthless. And you thought that you'd never come to what the preacher was talking about all the time. But God came down to where you were at, the lowest of low. He says, that alone ought to create a perfect love. When he says only perfect love can enter there, that's not something to reach up and try to attain to. That's something to just put your trust and confidence in God because if he ever called you, he'll never lose you. He says, that ought to create a perfect love. Look who you was and look what you are. What did that? He said, well, I believe no. God did that. Somebody that loves you, can't you have faith in what he promised you then? Real, genuine love will create a confidence in his word. Oh my, that ought to just annul every sickness right there. Ought to annul every mental illness right there. When you get to that place where you feel like, oh, brother, I just love the Lord because he first loved me. Okay, by his stripes you're healed. Well, it's been years. Who cares? Amen. 
God doesn't. He's dwelling in eternity. I've been struggling with this. My grandma struggled with this. My great-grandma struggled with this. I inherited it from this, and I got it from this, and you don't understand. But you said you love God. And if you really love God, then you ought to have confidence in what he said. Because if you don't love him, you won't have confidence. But if you love him, if you really truly love him, you will have confidence in his word that what he said will and must come to pass. Regardless of the time space. Oh my, this is a chaplain once said, when a man was machine gunned, he said, Captain, do you know God? He said, I once knew him. He said, well, when did you know him? He said, I can't think. Where'd you leave him? You'll have to go back to where you left him to find him. He said, I don't know. See, we, we think in our own minds, well, we can't turn back time. God's not got to turn back time. If he ever puts you on a plane, he'll stay on that plane, and you can walk on that plane a long time. You just got to recognize in your perspective and realize, I'm still walking on that plane. Amen. He said, I don't know. He said, your lungs are filling up, sir. You'd better think quiet and fast. He says, so he just thought a little bit, then a great peace came over his face. I remember where I left him. He said, where was it? He said, start right there. If that's where you're at this morning, you say, I don't think so. God, God left me a long time. He hasn't spoke to me for years. Just go right back to there. Not in time, you just stay right there on that plane and say, Lord, you spoke to me on that. I'm just going to keep dwelling on that. See, love and faith got to go together. They're kinfolk. Love produces faith. He says, when Satan tempts us, we are to resist him in a perfect faith, in a perfect word like Jesus did. The word of God is perfect. We're to have perfect faith in a perfect word and resist Satan. Amen. Amen. Let me just say something as we're trying to close. If a man comes and flirts with a married woman... It's one of the most perverse things in that woman's mind. If she really loves her husband, she's not going to turn around and flirt with him. She will run the other direction. The very worst, the only contact she'll ever have with him is the back of her hand to his cheek. And run the other way. But yet somehow, we say we love the Lord... And we love flirting with the devil. <laughs> so that gets real serious. That's serious. See, I'm the bride of Christ. I'm the unadulterated. I'm the pure word of God. I'm his bride. And I love him so. But that little thing. I like that. Run away. We are to resist. By a perfect faith. In a perfect word. Now let me give you one more, because one of the worst misconceptions of faith amongst believers is that you have to be perfect to have perfect faith. No, it isn't perfection to have faith. It's perfect faith. It's not a perfect person that wields faith. It's called perfect faith. Because as long as we're in an unredeemed body, with an unregenerated spirit. He doesn't born again your spirit. He gives you a new spirit. And he puts his spirit in you. And you make a mistake. And you fall as do I. 
And you got to fall on your knees and repent. Say, see, I knew I didn't have any faith. No. That only proves that you're human. The faith that's in your heart, because there's only two things that can dwell in your soul, that's faith or doubt. Your free moral agency is to choose faith or doubt. That's what Brother Brown says, as soon as you take that and you begin to confess, well, I guess I'm not saved, I guess I'm not saved, I guess I'm not saved. He says, you're not saved right there, you just fell from grace because you're confessing it. And your body will line up with your confession. So if there's doubt in there, then that's all you really can confess anyways. But if there is doubt in there, start to change your confession until you believe it. Until God begins to move on your behalf, till he can speak to you, so he can put faith in there where you begin to recognize, I might not be perfect, but God's faith, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. But even though I fail, I stumble, I fall, I can't hardly do anything on my own, but God, who is rich in mercy. The perfection he says, be ye therefore perfect even as my Father in heaven is perfect. How can I in your soul? And one day when the rest of it catches up in a body change, then you'll be just like him. Sorry, I have to pick this up. Luke chapter 9. I haven't asked for a certain amount of time of minutes, so I'm closing soon. So listening on the way here, Brother Brandon was talking about that dream he saw where he's standing in the sun, S-O-N, he's preaching. He said, but I was so long preaching, people started to leave. I thought, oh Lord, help me not to be that way this morning. Luke chapter 9 and verse 38. It says, And behold, a man in the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and teareth him, when he, that he, and it teareth him that he foameth again, and bruiseth him hard, hardly, departeth from him, and bruising him hardly departeth from him, and I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. Now Jesus doesn't turn and rebuke them as sinners and full of mistakes, even though they were not regenerated until the day of Pentecost. But he doesn't turn around and say to them, listen, you're not perfect. What's going on? Why couldn't you cast him out? No, he says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Which is actually to say that you are untrustworthy because you pervert the word. How is that possible? Jesus is more appalled at the thought of an individual that would pervert the word by a lack of faith. That it cannot perform what it says it can. It's like the man who went and talked to the Muslim 
Where the, where, the, where the Muslim boy said, well, you tell me what your Christianity can produce that my Muslim or Muhammad can't. Right. He says, your Jesus promised all these things. We, my, my Muhammad didn't. It was such a perversion of the word that the, that the theologian had got himself into because he didn't have faith to believe that God could perform exactly what he said he would perform. And that is the measure of perfect faith when you recognize that God will perform. It takes perfect faith to bring a rapture, rapturing faith. Why? Because it is simply the belief without any ounce of doubt that he will change my mortal body. Hallelujah. It's a real substance faith that it's not something that well way off in the future. No, one of these days, I'm just going to step. And for someone that just turned 18, the only difference might be, I, I, I don't feel sore from that volleyball game yesterday. <laughs> because they're already 18. They're already in that, that body and they realize, oh, that little zit that happened yesterday is gone. Hope that didn't happen to you this morning. Sorry, buddy. No, I don't want to point it out. <laughs> Amen. See, Jesus is looking at them. He's not concerned and saying, you made a mistake. He said, the word of God, when I told you to go and cast out devils, go cast out devils. When I sent you out two by two, I didn't say when something gets too hard, bring it to me. I said, go out and cast out devils. Why are you doubting? You're perverting my word. You're changing it from what it really means and what it really says because you don't have the faith. See, it isn't without perfection it's impossible to please God. It isn't without speaking in tongues it's impossible to please God. It isn't without great gifts of ministry, without great gifts of discernment, without great gifts of wisdom it's impossible to please God. It's not without great works, without shouting, without dancing, without, no, without faith. It's impossible to please God. What is our main priority is to please our husband, to make sure we are pleasing to him in every day, in every way, so that one day when he calls his bride up to heaven, we're the first one on his mind. When Esther was called to go before the king, all these other ones, they said, I want some of this and I want some of that. If we could update it to today, you could take the churches of today. They say, listen, what's going to please God? I need to speak in tongues. The fact that I put my name on this book is going to please God. And I'm going to take that to him and I am going to be pleasing to him. But the word of God already said that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So forget about all these other things that are wonderful in themselves, but have faith to believe that he will perform his word. Hallelujah. Okay, we'll close on this thought. By his faith, the Lord Jesus, in the word, he conquered, and he conquers. He can conquer anything, both death, hell, and the grave. We know that God is God, that perfect faith in God's perfect word. And it's so outside this realm of time that when it came time in this realm of time for him to be crucified, he didn't pull out a sword and get all ready, and they came with their mixed multitude behind Judas. He just said, go ahead. 
And he looked at the backdrop of devils all around that were just gnashing at him. He said, I'm coming for you. Go ahead and tie this body up. It don't mean anything. I got to lay it down so I can come for you. (laughs) By perfect faith, in the perfect word, he conquered death, hell, the grave, every devil that sat around there. Oh my, and they, as they were there, okay, we'll close on this. And then as they were there, he was there, and, and they, they beat him. Right? They smote him. They whipped him. They mocked him. They bruised him. And as they took him, and they just took that whip, and they just, and every devil says, he won't cry. He won't make a noise. What's going on? And he took that whip again, and they beat him again. And they didn't realize what was going through his mind. Sister Adifa, you're healed. And they bruised him. He said, I know, Ben, you didn't mean to do that. I take it upon myself. I was bruised for your iniquity. And as they chastise him and they begin to call out and they begin to mock him and they chastise him and he just says, oh, Sister Sharifa, my daughter, this is for your peace. What was going through the mind of perfect faith? That's the mind of an overcomer. Even though in the realm of time it looked horrible. In eternity, there was a greater battle going on. Because God wasn't looking in 2,000 years later. No, it was as in right now. Because I'm in eternity. And when you're born again of the Spirit of God, you're no longer a creature of time to say, how long, Lord? You're already living in eternity. Every divine promise of God, say, how does it bring it to pass? I need this great faith. No, all you need to do is make sure your sins are under the blood and have the right mental attitude towards every divine promise of God, and it will bring it to pass. Oh, hallelujah. He conquered everything that came in contact with him. Death couldn't even stand in his presence. After they tried every single Weapon. Finally, though, they called up the big guns, and here come death to sting them on the cross. And we know how Brother Bram would describe it. He talked about he got so close, and there was a great 10,000 volts there. Why? Because he was God. It was Jesus hanging there on the cross. He was the very Son of God hanging there, and he was doing this thing. Come on, death. Where's your sting? Sink it in deep. You're going to have to. And he did. They said, oh, we got him. We've bankrupted heaven. (laughs) What an oxymoron. (laughs) We've bankrupted heaven. The son of God is dead. We thought he was somebody, but he just proved he's just another prophet. He comes down there and says, all right, devil. I told you I was coming for you. I told you I was coming for you. You thought you had me when I bound, you bound my corporal body? You know better than that. You thought you had me when you ripped my beard out? You knew better than that. You thought you had me when you whipped me? Come on. Yeah. I created you the sun of the morning star. You don't know better than that? Yeah. 
You thought you had me when you sunk the stinger of death into me? You know better than that. I created that thing. I'll take the keys. Because I got another man to give them to. I already made a promise. It was the man named Peter. I gave you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you loose will be loose. Whatever you bind will be bound. Lucifer ain't nothing but a bluff today. He's got all his devils all in the backdrop this morning trying to tell you it ain't so. Trying to tell you you can't have perfect faith because you made a mistake last night. But I want to tell you perfect faith isn't hinged on your mistakes or your failures. It's hinged on what you believe. On the fact that you take God at his word and what he says will come to pass regardless of the time space because you're no dwelling in it. Your perspective has changed. You're not looking at what was, what is, and what will be. Why is he what was, what is, and will be? Because he's in eternity. Oh, if you abide in me. Through him he brought the word to you, and my words abide in you. Then walk in the same kind of a way, virtues flowing from you. What was it? It was Jesus when he walked that they said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. He says, there he was walking in a world of perfect faith because he was the word. And he says, if you abide in me through him, he brought the word to you. And my words abide in you, then walk in the same kind of way, virtues flowing from you. That you would renew the bowels of the saints because of your conversation would be powerful by the things that a God has done in your life. Oh my, we ought to never stop. From testifying. We need to take our eyes off the element of time. Look to the God of eternities. It isn't how you feel today. Or when's the last experience we had was. Or the frequency of the supernatural in our lives. I need to see great things. No, just come up a little higher. Ephesians said, blessed be the God of our Father who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Not down here in a space of time. Step up a little higher. Amen. Amen. Which he had wrought in Christ and has raised up from the dead, which set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So where Christ is, you can be also. Oh, my, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says he hath raised us up together. And made us to sit together in heavenly places. It's not just a space of time straight up and down. It's a heavenly plane. It says, come up to where I'm at. You might feel this way in your body, that way in your body. But I am in you. From the end of the earth will I cry. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And to all men... See what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church in the manifold wisdom of God. Oh my, he's not looking to say it's future, it's future. No, come up to where I'm at. I'd like to make known to you my manifold wisdom. Oh my. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. But come up to where I'm at. For such a high priest become, became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners and made higher than the heavens. Continually making intercession on your behalf. Let's stand to our feet. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Lord, lift me up. Let me stand on higher ground. Let me stand where he stands. Let me walk where he walks. Let me be with him hand in hand. Do you love the Lord? Then have confidence in his word. Hallelujah. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest faith, but only lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Oh, on Christ the solid rock I stand on. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Will on Christ the soul. And all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the We need to take the word of God, make it our mind. I was just to take the shield of faith. Don't just wait for someone to drop it in your hand and say, well, you know, here you go. I think you're ready for it. No, take the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. 
Take the sword of the word. Have your feet shod. Have your loins girt about. Don't be waiting on something else. Say, Lord, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to make this my reasoning. I'm going to make this my memory. I'm going to make this my affections. I'm going to make this my conscience. That when something goes against the word of God, it will bother me to the point where I'll turn and walk away. Not because I think it's funny or it's dirty or it's this or it's that. No, if it's against the word, I don't want anything to do with it. This needs to be our very essence of life because God is love and he's the essence of love. And this is who he is. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that same word bridged the gap of time. And it's the word in the end that is sitting there waiting for a word bride. So why do we want something else? Take it and eat it. And you will prophesy again. Oh, how good God is. Sorry if it was broken up this morning. But it just, I was so rejoicing in the presence of the Lord last night. I got one of the best wives it's ever been. You know, when I'm preaching Sunday morning, she just takes the kids out to... Then I'm Papa's house and lets me just have the day and the word alone. And it's so good to be there. And I hope it's been good for you this morning. Just to sit in the presence of God and realize, hi, I don't need to be stuck in this time realm. God has raised me up a little higher. Lord, let me see what you see. You ever get that little thought, that little inkling feeling that I should just say something? I should just do something. And it turns out the next day, oh, I wish I would have said that. It's because God knows. He's in eternity. He knows what's coming tomorrow. He knows what's coming next week. He knows what's happening. Amen. It might just be someone contact you on Kijiji and say, I got a little bumper and you go out and see him. Turns out he's been at our church. Turns out you get a chance to witness to him. Turns out it may be that was his chance. Why? Just that little still small voice. We say, Lord, you know what's happening. Help me to just be so sensitive to your leading, Lord. Lead me, Lord, and I will follow. Lead me. Lead me, Lord, I will.